Thank you for that warm welcome. Thank you. He just mentioned I work for, Mary, Mary and I work for Focus on the Family Canada. And how many of you know that Focus on the Family has designated October as Pastor Appreciation Month? Are you aware of that? So let me say that, let me just encourage you to appreciate your pastors this month. It could be with a card. It could be with a gift card. I mean, there are a number of ways that you can appreciate your pastor. You know, we do it for school teachers. We do it for so many people. But why not our pastors? And so if you have kids in children's ministry, appreciate Pastor Lisa. If you have kids in youth, man, appreciate Pastor James. I mean, just wherever you're involved, wherever your life is being fed, whoever it is that's that is helping you become the person that God wants you to be, invest in them in some way this month. That's just a word from focus on the family to you and to my church family. I, I will tell you that Mary and I did that. We've already, we've already blessed the, the staff this, and I'll tell you how we did it. We, on, so we could go Tuesday, the first Tuesday of October, we brought in cinnamon buns for the mall. And then they just got fatter on Tuesday. So whatever you want to do, you just do and and bless them. I I want to go back just to the last song that was sung. And and I so appreciated um, what Pastor Casey had to say about the Father's heart. And just that sense of what God wants to do and can do. Because in that last song, two words just really caught my attention. One was the word wander. The other was the word wonder. And as I was contemplating that and we were singing that song about being overcome by his presence, it, it just, it, there was a sense within me that there are some, there's people in this service this morning, maybe one, maybe two, I don't know how many, but you've been wandering from God. And this morning... The work of God's spirit in your life was so great that you were overcome by his love and his desire to be in relationship with you. And and if you're still fighting that, Spirit of the Lord wants you to know he doesn't want you to wander any longer. He wants you to come home. He wants you to know him and the reality that you experienced him today in that way that you can walk with him every day. The other word I mentioned was the word wonder. Because maybe you've never been in relationship with Christ. And today as as the worship was going on, you're you're saying, man, these people are singing something. And they're singing something that that I I, I really, I, I can't grasp what it is. There's, there's something about what's going on right now that's beyond my understanding. And you're wondering about Christ. I want you to know this morning that that sense of him overcoming you and overwhelming you is a desire that he has to be in relationship with you as well. And so if you're wondering about who Jesus is, you experienced his Holy Spirit today saying, Wonder no longer about who I am because I am the risen Savior, the one who has come to give you life. And he wants to be in relationship with you this morning as well. 
the end of the service, Pastor Casey's going to come back up and he's going to tell you whether you're a wanderer or a wanderer, what it is that you need to do. In fact, being part of Alpha would be a great way for you to understand who Christ is in a greater measure and help you walk with certainty into the life that Christ has for you. Well, as Pastor said, we're in a series called This Is Us. And uh, as I was, when Pastor asked me to preach and he gave me the, the subject that I'm going to cover this morning, as I pondered it for a while, this question out of my days in Bible school came to mind and it's, who do I need? Now you can think that when you're in Bible school and you have that question and you're in your last semester, that it's probably a question that as it came to me would deal with the fact that who do I need? And I would be thinking I need a spouse. I'm looking around my class. I'm looking through, you know, the school. Finding, but I can tell you that, that question about a spouse was not what I needed because I had already been married for about a year. And I, to my wonderful wife, Mary. So it wasn't a question about finding a spouse. That question of who do I need came in the, in the final semester of my last year. It came because of one of the professors that I was sitting in the class said, I just want you to know, I'm going to give you information today about the very final assignment that you're going to have for me. And this assignment is worth the majority of your mark. And so as soon as he said that, this question came, said, who do I need? Because you see, I wanted to be a part of an A-plus paper. Now, what you need to know is I am not an A-plus student. So I needed to find somebody in my class that could help me turn in an A-plus paper. I, I don't want to be mean about anybody that was sitting around me. And since you weren't in class, you don't know who I'm talking about at all. But as the professor was talking about this paper and what we needed to do and how we needed to work in a team, I kind of scanned my, those that were sitting close to me. You know what I mean? And there wasn't anybody there that I was going to tap on the shoulder and say, I want you on my team. I looked a little farther and within 10 or 15 seconds, I found two people and I thought, those are the people I want on my team because they can help me get an A-plus paper. So from that moment on, I'm just like, I have one ear kind of listening to what the prof is saying because I want to have some understanding about what it is I need to be doing. But more than that, I am waiting for him to finish talking because I have to enact this plan that just popped into my heart thought, this is a perfect plan. I know how I'm going to do it. Even though one of them is in the far side of the classroom for me, and I was sitting up near the front, the other one's in the back, almost in the back corner. I thought, I know how I'm going to get those two people. I got it. And as soon as he said, okay, now it's time to turn and find classmates and talk about the project that you're going to be teaming up with and how you're going to do it. I want you to go ahead. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I just yelled. I went, David and Patsy, I want you on my team. The class went silent. I mean, they looked at me. They looked at David and Patsy. They looked at me. And I'm like, okay, like I need an answer. I mean, it happened so quickly. But they, and what, to my joy, both David and Patsy said, we're on your team, Marshall. We're on your team. And that was a great feeling that day. I can tell you that we, that we did get an A paper, A plus paper. But I have to be honest with you, Patsy and David help me get an A-plus paper. Isn't it great to have people in your life that you can count on that when you need friends, they're there for you? 
They can support you. They can help you. And they can come to your rescue at certain times. You, can, you have a story, I'm sure, in your own life of someone who's done something very similar. And it is wonderful to have friends who, in a time of need, can come through for you. But I can tell you something else that I've learned. As great as it is to have such friends, I found it is even better in life to be such a friend. I wonder who I could have been that friend to in that class on that day. But there are times where you just need to be someone to someone else. This is right in line with what the Apostle Paul says in Acts 20, verse 15. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And as I thought of that verse, I, I, I couldn't quite remember the context. Like, what was Paul talking about when he said it's more blessed to give than receive? And so I went and I just picked up my Bible and I began to thumb through Acts, that, this chapter, and I came across this verse. And I found that Paul here is speaking about relationships. He's actually talking about how we are to treat other people. And we are called to be givers. We are called to be people who do things for others which help them. You see, if I were to go through life and constantly be on the lookout so that I could be on the receiving end of friendships or relationships, I would probably end up as a very needy person. So it it is so vital to remember that the focus of our lives, the focus of this verse, is that we are to be givers. The people that we rub shoulders with on our daily walk of life should be on the receiving end of our kindness, our graciousness, our love, our gentleness, our help. Really, the list is endless. I love what Abraham Lincoln wrote about the concept of relationships. He said, the better, the better part of one's life consists of his friendships. Could it be that Lincoln realized that life was richer, deeper, and more rewarding than when he was investing in the lives of his friends? Whatever he knew, he knew that the friendships that he had were really invaluable. Here's some information I came across uh, that's founded on uh, psychologytoday.com about friendships. Here's what was written in an article. Solid friendships are critical to your physical, yes, your physical health. Do you know that poor quality social support is the morality risk equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes per day? Or that supportive friendships in your 20s are a solid predicator, or predictor, I should say, of being alive at 70? Who would have known that? Genuine nourishing friendships boost your immune system, improve your prognosis with various chronic health conditions, and lower your blood pressure. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Emotionally, they help reduce your risk of disorders from depression and PTSD, from anxiety disorders and substance abuse. In fact, the article went on and said that if you're really good at going to the gym every day, you may need to rejig your schedule so that you're taking time to have lunch with somebody who makes you laugh because you need that. You need to shuffle your priorities. 
Then I came across this from Gallup. You know Gallup, they're the people who poll everybody about anything and everything. Gallup poll says that having a friend at work brings about greater job satisfaction. Amazing the impact of friendships and relationships in our lives. So how do we have strong or stronger relationships? How do we get the benefit of life that it would help us physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Because that's even what Paul is talking about, that if we're, we're going to be people who will give, there's a blessing added to that. Well, do you remember my opening statement? My opening statement was, who do I need? If you want to have strong relationships, if you want to have great friendships, if you want to know the benefits of this, then let me tell you that all you need to do is add two words to that statement of who do I need? Because the two, the two words you add that will help produce better and stronger relationships are these two words. Who do I need to be? Who do I need to be? I think Shakespeare was right when he had Hamlet say, to be or not to be, that is the question. Because we need to be people who are to be people. Not to be keeps us locked in a cycle of looking for relationships that meet our needs. It's a very unhealthy way to go through life. People who hope they can find someone to meet every need go through life from disappointment to disappointment, from failed relationship to failed relationship, and they end up lonely, disillusioned, and disheartened in life. For those who ask themselves who they need to be and then act as a to-be person, they end up adding value to the lives of the people around them. And, and in so doing, they develop wonderful friendships and strong relationships. You know, really, as Christians, we're called to be a people who are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what's interesting is that we're just not to be filled with fruit. We are to be people who love, who are kind, who are patient, who are long-suffering, who are gentle. And the list goes on. I thought as I was driving in this morning, just thinking about, about this, I, 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 that, you know, it, we all know the Beatitudes, probably most of you do. The series of things that Christ said about how we're to live our lives. Well, I, as I was driving in this morning from Okotoks, I, I just kind of changed that. I thought it's, it's the be attitudes. It's who we're to be. It's the attitudes we're to have in life. And then I thought of some of you may remember Robert Schuler a great pastor from California. And I remember he wrote a book called The Be Happy Attitudes, all based on the Beatitudes. And so we are to be people who impact others. You know what I've found in life is is that the greatest relationship I have are people who are to be people, who are filling my life with with their love, with their kindness, with their goodness. And I found that I was drawn to them like a bear is drawn to honey. And the same would be true, that when we are to be people and know who we need to be, people will be drawn to us. As I thought about who, who I needed to look at from a scriptural point of view this morning, Take a look at one person. 
in this regard. The name of Barnabas came to mind. Because I believe that Barnabas epitomizes this thought. And he lived by the model of who do I need to be? You see, this axiom or this truth was so ingrained in his life that when he became a Christian in that in the early church, and you'll find his story in the book of Acts, that his name was Hosus. It was J-O-S-E-S. I'm not really sure how you pronounce it. The Spanish would probably say it was Jose. I don't know what the, the Greeks or the Jews really say. But that was his name. But in that early church, they began spending time with this man. And they noticed that there was something that was incredible. There was something so natural. There was something just at the very heart that in every conversation and everything that he did, he encouraged people. And so the Bible, in the very first verses, when they identify Barnabas as one of the characters that they want to spend a little time for us getting to know, they say that the early church, the disciples changed his name to Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. They wanted a name that would match his life. Isn't that a great compliment? Like I've had a lot of people call me a lot of things that they thought matched my life. When I, you know, I went, you know, you, when you have the name Marshall, you, uh, you know, I went, I remember going to, to high school and, and somebody, you know, they started calling you Matt Dillon. And so then that became Matt. And so that's the identifier, you know, and, and somebody then looked at me one day and said, well, no, he's too big for Matt. His really, he, he's more of the size of a rug. So we call it, and that's how I got, I mean, there are just some crazy ways that people identify you. Now, I got to tell you that I wish that somebody had looked at me and changed my name to Barnabas because I would love to be a person who encourages others. I, I think that's just an incredible way to go through life. And to be identified in such a way is powerful. You know, I, I, I talk about Barnabas being a constant source of encouragement. And one of the reasons I do so is because the Greek word that's translated Barnabas, it means a person who calls out, a person who exhorts, a person who is persuasive in his discourse. And you can just, can't you just hear him as he's walking through and he's looking at some of the, some of the other disciples at some of the new converts and he's just calling out things in their life. He's just exhorting people. He's just saying, hey man, you're, you know what? I know life is tough right now. I know that there's some things happening in your world that uh, they're not going right, but I want you to know that I see in you the ability to make it. I see in you the power to get through it. And there were some testing times in that early church. When you read through Acts chapter one and all the way, let's say through chapter nine, you'll find that there were some testing times. And yet here's Barnabas in the midst of those times looking at these other disciples, looking at these other people who are following Christ. And he's just looking at them and he's just exhorting them. He is just saying, this is what you need to do. This is who you need to be. This is who you can be. Now, maybe even as I talk about Barnabas, you've been able to identify somebody in your life that has been Barnabas-like. And don't you just want to hang around them? Don't you just want to be with them? Well, this morning, let me tell you that we all have the ability to be like Barnabas. 
We all have the capacity, the the vocabulary to speak words of life into people. Man, I know in my life that I've had people who've sometimes, a couple times in my life who've had to persuasively convince me that life was going to get better. That what what I was going through was going to end. I know what it is to have people like that. And can I say to you this morning that each of us, we're not to be looking for Barnabases. That's not the point of my sermon this morning. We're not to be looking for Barnabases, but we need to be the type of person who enters in to people's life like a Barnabas. We need to be encouraging those that on a daily basis we are rubbing shoulders with, I said. We need to be building people up, not with flattery, but with sincere words of praise and appreciation, with an understanding of who they are and what's happening in their world and how we can help them. In, in Acts chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, we see... Really, it's the end result of Barnabas's activity. Because you see, in, this, in these verses of Scripture, it says, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, and that Saul, in case you aren't aware, that was his name before his name was changed to Paul. He tried to join the disciples that they were afraid of him. Now, remember, they were afraid of him because what had he been doing just weeks prior? He had been out arresting them and killing them, and he, had been st- he stood there when they stoned Stephen. I mean, he, he was not a nice guy to be around. Paul was not an encourager. He was a discourager for the early believers. But, and now look what it says. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. What had happened? Now, this is the end part of the story. The backstory is that Barnabas had gone. He had found Paul and he said, you know something, Paul, there's something that's happened in your life. I want to hear your story. Well, what, who was Barnabas to Paul? Who did Paul need Barnabas to be? Paul needed Barnabas to be Somebody who is interested in him. You know, there's a lot of ways this sermon could go and I could give you a lot of points, but I I thought I'm just going to stay with this idea of being and then adding this thought, being a person who is interested in others. Because that really encapsulates who Barnabas was to Paul. He was a person who was interested in him. I can think of events that I've gone to, you know, when you're, you're, you know, you're, you end up in some kind of a, a seminar setting and there may be, let's say 10 or 20 people. They don't do this with hundreds of, of people, but I've been in a number of times where there's been 10 or 20 of us and the person who's been leading the, the seminar says, we're going to do an icebreaker today. And the icebreaker is that I want you to turn to the person on your right or your left And as long as that person isn't somebody you know, and I want you to engage in conversation with that person, and I want you to get to know them. Because at the end of five minutes, I'm going to give you one minute to introduce your new friend to everybody else in the room. Well, I'll tell you, if you've ever been in that setting, in that situation, you become very interested in that person. I mean, you're asking a lot of questions. You're trying to find out all the little tidbits. And in fact, you're looking for things that can help you 
so that when you stand up and talk, you can say, this is my friend, and you name Joe, and you tell that where Joe's from, and you tell how many kids, you tell what his, you know, his favorite food is to eat on a Saturday morning. I mean, you just got it down pat. That's who Barnabas was. That's who he was to Paul. You see, he went and he asked Paul questions and he got him talking about his life. And he got him to a point where, as Paul told his story, it says in the scripture that we read that Barnabas was able to declare how Paul had seen the Lord and how he had spoken to him. I mean, there wasn't anything that Barnabas didn't know about Paul. And can you imagine, first of all, as Paul meets Barnabas, he wonders what's going on, but then he begins to sense the warmth of those questions. He begins to sense the warmth of Barnabas' curiosity. He begins to hear him speaking to him words of life and affirmation about what had happened in his life. And then he goes beyond that. He says, okay, Paul, man, I, I love your story. I love what's happened in your life. I, I've got to introduce you to my friends. You, you got it. And, and, and he knows the story so well that he could tell Paul's journey backwards and forwards. What a powerful encourager he was. What I found in my life is that when we're interested in and we're curious about people and where they've been and their journey in life, it's amazing how people just open up. I I have found that people really do like to talk about themselves. Some of you are laughing and I see people shaking their heads because you, you are like me. You love to talk about yourself. You like people to get to know you. I don't know who wrote this, but it's a powerful truth. The more you care about other people and what they're going through, the more curiosity you're going to have about them. Because curiosity, this writer said, is the product of empathy. And empathy is an incredible component in relationships. So let me say that again. The more you care about other people and what they're going through, the more curiosity you're going to have about them. Curiosity is the product of of empathy. Now, I, I, I do know and I am well aware that it is easier for some people to ask questions of, than other people. There are people who prefer extroversion. They're just like, they'll be right in your face. They'll get you, you know. And there's some of you that prefer introversion. But really, it doesn't matter what side of that pendulum you're on. It shouldn't stop us from being curious about people. I've heard people say, well, small talk doesn't really do much. Well, I'm sorry to say it does. It has a purpose because it shows others. It shows the people that we're around that we're interested in them. And in so doing, we can make another person feel wanted, accepted, comfortable, and important. And see, when you're doing that, you're building trust and mutual respect. And I I just see that so, I see that so clearly in the Barnabas-Paul dialogue that happened. Here's a bit of a rabbit trail. It's what I found to be true, and then I found out that relational experts even say it's true. Because relational experts say that it's not the first time you meet somebody that's the most awkward. It's actually the second time you meet a person. 
You see, the biggest problem is that you can't remember, sometimes you can't remember the person's name or you can't remember what they told you and you're embarrassed. And you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And you're stammering and stumbling and you're trying to figure it out. Well, let me tell you what, what I've learned. I've learned that the more curious, the more interested I've been in a person in that first conversation, the more I remember and recall. And sometimes it's a matter of going back and saying, you know, when we met last time, can you remind me what you said about your family? Can you remember, remind me what you do nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday? And then I have found that as they give me a little tidbit of information that has actually sparked some synapse in my brain to cross with another synapse, I think. And, re- and it reminds me of something else. And so then I can move the conversation forward. It helps. You see, I've learned who I need to be. And I know that I need to be interested in others because it opens up their lives to me. Worship team, I'm going to ask you to come back at this time. But there's one more verse because I think it it speaks so powerfully about the impact that Barnabas had on Paul. The verse is found in Proverbs 18, 21. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you think of Barnabas being an encourager, really what we could say is that the tongue tongue has the power of life. It had the power of life in everybody that Barnabas met. Everybody who came across him and got to know him was impacted by life, by the power of what he spoke. A curiosity about a person's life based on the questions we ask and the resulting interaction with that person really is a source of life to that individual. I mean, you just watch. Remember I said we like to tell our stories? You just watch a person's eyes light up when they begin to tell their story. I'll tell you that, that you know that you know that your story can change weekly. You know there's things that happen to you and I will tell you this week that there, I was hoping somebody would say to me especially late in the week, "Hey Marsh, what's new?" Cuz man, I had a story to tell. Some there's some I can't go into it. I don't have time, but I can tell you that on Thursday Friday afternoon something happened in terms of what we do with focus on the family and what we do at the Careth retreat that's new. And God answered prayer. And I'd love it if somebody said to me, Marsh, what's new? Well, that, it's the same is true for you. Just that question, what's new, could be the power of life because it, it, it draws, it invites somebody to tell their story. And you show your curiosity about them. I want you to consider that being a Barnabas starts by asking a question. And it happens every time you express, as I've said, curiosity. Every time you listen. And it's true in every relationship that you have. Whether it's spouse to spouse, parent to child, child to parent, friend to friend, neighbor to neighbor, co-worker to co-worker, co-employee to boss, boss to employee. Even the person you're sitting beside this morning. You can speak life. And be someone to someone today. 
One of the other things I've found is that as you get talking to people and you start asking questions, it doesn't take long sometimes to people start talking about the aspirations and the hopes and the dreams that they have. And when we begin to hear those things, we need to commit ourselves even there, not just to be hearing it, but to be as be, what does this person need? How can I show interest in them at this point? And I would say to you, speak life into their dreams. Speak life into their aspirations. That's what Paul, and that's what Paul experienced from Barnabas. In fact, even later in another chapter, you see that Barnabas went and found Paul again. And I can just imagine what happened when Barnabas walked into that house or room, wherever they met. Paul's eyes lit up because he knew Barnabas was going to say, tell me your story, man. God's got doing something good. There's good reports. And we need people who will speak life into us because they're continually interested in us hopes and dreams will bloom and blossom. I found in life that it's not only just words. Sometimes those words can be put in a letter form. Today we have texts, emails, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, we have so many ways to touch people's lives and encourage them. Sometimes the power of a written statement can, can impact. There's some words that people have spoken over me of encouragement that I remember. But I hold in my hand a letter written 39 years ago by my uncle. It was written after he heard I was going to Bible school. He was a Barnabas to me. He was a man who was interested in me. He wanted to hear the story of how God had called me to Bible school. And then after hearing the story, he went somewhere in the house. I'm not sure where he went, but he went and he penned this letter to me. And he, and he began to speak words that really in some measures I read that I've read this letter many times through the years, a couple times when I've been down. But I read, if you remember this letter on Friday night, I ran upstairs to my dresser and I pulled it out and I read it again and I thought, Man, my, my Uncle Paul, he was prophetic. He prophesied over me. He was interested in me. And his words were the words of life that spoke about my future and who I could become as I followed the call of God. Who do you need to be? Who do others need you to be? You have the ability to call out the gold and the good in people's lives. You have the ability to touch people. And in fact, this morning, as I draw this message to a close, I want you to contemplate that, that thought. I want you to contemplate for a few minutes. I want you to ask yourself, who do I need to be? for my spouse? Who do I need to be for my children? Who do I need to be for my mom and dad? Who do I need to be for my coworker? Who do I need to be for my boss? 
And today and tomorrow, this week, how can I show my interest in them? A few moments of silent contemplation. this morning I am caught by the fact that today, tomorrow, this week and I believe for the rest of our lives that there is going to come a divine inspiration that will help us to be who we need to be for those with whom we rub shoulders. Lord, you're going to drop thoughts, questions, comments into our hearts and our minds that, Lord, will show our interest in whomever we're rubbing shoulders with. And in so doing, we're going to become Barnabas-like. We're going to become people who encourage, who lift up, who exhort, who are persuasive in a way that pushes and moves people towards the calling of God on their lives. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us. Help us. Because you're going to guide us. May we fulfill who you've called us to be.